0: Hello and welcome to CN Conversations. I'm today's host, Alex Corquell, and my focus here at CM Industrial is on the industrial automation market. This is the next in a three-part series discussing the future of smart factories and their implications on the industrial industries across the globe. Today, I talk with Frederick Ryden, CEO of Olis Robotics, about the role of teleoperating and remote monitoring of robots in the transition towards a smart factory, and what this level of automation means for the future of the industry. Whether you're in the industrial automation industry or intrigued by discussions around the future of smart factories, then be sure to have a listen. There's also plenty of brilliant insight in my colleague Ben Cheaton's previous episode too. In the rest of the series, my colleagues will also be discussing the impact of additive manufacturing and the introduction of smart factories and the introduction of dark warehouses. Please subscribe to the series to be notified on these episodes too. Here it is. Hope you enjoy listening. Right, Frederick, thank you very much for taking uh, the time today to record this. Um, just to kick us off, could you uh, tell us a little bit more about, about yourself and, and your background?
1: Sure. I am the CEO of Olis Robotics. Uh, we uh, are a company that uh, do remote monitoring and control of industrial robots. Uh, my own background, uh, I got my PhD in robotics from the University of Washington back in 2013. And that was also we, also when I founded uh, Oldest Robotics. Back then, we are called Blue Haptics. And uh, we were actually working on offshore underwater robots. So big hydraulic robots that are operated from um, remotely operated vehicles deep down in the North Sea. Mm-hmm. After that, we moved on to actually work with NASA and others. Uh, so we were involved in some lunar lander projects and other things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's actually when we found this massive need in industrial automation for remote monitoring and
0: control, and, and yeah, that's why you and I are talking. Great, great. Sounds like a bit of a, a bit of a change then in terms of market and, and approach. Well, yeah, no, it's
1: it's definitely been uh, been a little bit of a journey, uh, but yeah, I enjoy it. And the current climate we're in in the industrial automation market, uh, with so much going on, uh, yeah. so much money being spent. Uh, the number of bro-
0: robots growing every year it's it's a fun place to be for sure great um one, one of the things that i wanted to kind of get from you initially is kind of your thoughts and, and what the definition of a, of a smart factory is i know it's we're in kind of early stages of, of the concept right now and it is a buzzword that's that gets thrown around a lot at the moment especially in the market uh, but I want to get kind of what what your thoughts on a smart factory is, and what, what's your take of, of what that actually looks like?
1: Yeah, um, you're right. It's sort of a buzzword. So, and those can be hard. But to me, it's it's not a, a, a black or white thing. I think that's the most important part. Um, so, if if you have a factory right now and it and it isn't smart, I, I wouldn't call your factory dumb. <laughs> uh, and 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 I think moving towards a smarter factory um, is, is not something that has to be a massive transformative change, but something that can actually be done incrementally in, in baby steps. So just because you're not there yet, this does not mean you should just give up and throw your hands up. The term sort of implies for me the use of industrial automation, you know, robotics, industrial robot arms, maybe even autonomous ground vehicles, if, if those make sense. And also AI, in particular machine learning, obviously, you know, we're nowhere close uh, machine learning right now that can completely replace people. But I do think it's an incredibly powerful tool for people to use when they need to sift through a large amount of data. So I think that really comes to play here. And also in order for your factory to be smart, I, I really think of a flexibility. Um, so that means having a factory that can adapt to, to varying conditions. So let's say market conditions. So if you have a factory making two products and, demand for one of them starts going up, um, you, you need to have a factory that can respond to that as, as quickly as possible, obviously. And also flexibility with, with human resources. So if you have those surge conditions um, and you need extra people, may, maybe some of those can be remote. And obviously this is you know why you and I have been talking because this is kind of the piece that I'm working on. But yeah, the summary is, I think it's also really application dependent um, you know, I don't think there's one single set of technologies that, that makes a factory smart. It just kind of comes back to understanding your process and and, and you know, knowing what's best for, for each different factory.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think one smart factory is not kind of a one-size-fits-all for, for every kind of factory in this case. I think it it's kind of depends on on what the requirements are needed. For, for each individual business. But you no, know, I, I kind of like what you said, just because if, you, if your factory isn't smart, it doesn't mean it, it's dumb. One of the the pushbacks, which we'll probably go on to later is is kind of the, the whole interference with humans and humans involvement, which um, is definitely uh, an interesting topic. But to move on to, to another question. Um, so what problems do you think smart factories are solving and, and what issues do you think they bring?
1: So I think one of the key thing that uh, a smart factory has to address is, is reduction of waste, and, and not not talking garbage here necessarily. Um, it's it's about reducing waste of, of data of information. So when you have good data that can help improve your processes, it's about not throwing that away and instead using it to to improve. Modern industrial equipment uh, collects a vast amount of data today, and let's say you have an industrial robots, everything from how the joints are moving, the yield information, or even even pictures of each you know, product that is that is moving through the production line. And this data can be distilled and used for decision making, either upstream or downstream in your factory process. For instance, if you if you have a robot arm that is picking up metal parts and placing them in CNC machines, and suddenly you start seeing that it's it's having a problem picking them up, and maybe it's because they're slipping. And this information is useful. Because there could be a problem upstream, maybe too much lubricant were applied to these parts, mm-hmm. and that's why the slippage happens. So, so that being able to communicate um, inform- information from one part of your manufacturing process to another, and maybe that other process in a different facility altogether. I think it's important though that this is done with purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, we cannot just lump log files together and send them everywhere and hope that AI comes and saves the day. You know. <laughs> I think this is where the human know-how really comes in, um, where you need to understand the process in order to optimize it. And machine learning can be a tool that you use here to understand complex flows. But at the end of the day, um, I believe that the most successful smart factories are going to be the ones where humans and and, machine learning tools are are working together. Honestly, it's it's my job as a technologist here to make sure that these tools get packaged into products that people can and actually want to use. Uh, because yeah. that's something that I've seen lacking today.
0: No, I, I can completely agree with that. I think that's the the key takeaway from what I've had in the conversation that I, I've always seen is that the technology kind of, taking people's jobs per se but it's more of a case of humans and technology working collaboratively to to get the best results um obviously when the kind of the cobot was first released there was um a bit of kind of pushback from the market and and kind of the the traditional manufacturers of those robots but it's it's a case like anything really i think it's as time goes on and, and people kind of progress with it, they, they really will see the benefits from, from this side. I don't know if that's something that, that you, you see as well. Uh,
1: so we've actually implemented a, a feature where the robot, uh, an industrial robot arm will send you uh, an email whenever it runs into a problem. And I think we've all heard of you know push notifications and that already exists today, but these emails actually contain more information than that they have the last 30 to 60 seconds of video of of what happened leading up to the failure. So this means that even if you have a process that is just not appropriate for remote control for whatever reason, you can now start diagnosing any issues that you have within minutes instead of hours that it might take you to get there. And, And it also means that you don't end up in a situation where you go out to a site you diagnose the problem, and now you need to go back and get your tools or whatever it might be. Uh, so I think this is an exciting prospect because it means that the, the operator on the shift can review it remotely and see, okay, uh, what's going on here? This seems like a problem with the robot programming. And then they can forward that information to the system integrator who can now look at it and say, yes, okay, I need to remotely remote in and fix this, or I need to actually come out. But... I think it really comes down to the fact that you will be able to get the right information to the right person a lot faster. And that's something I'm very excited about. I spoke to a system integrator um, last week who said that, hey, uh, remoting in makes a lot of sense for me, especially if I can remote in on the same shift as the issue happened. So the person who was actually there and, and might have some understanding of what went wrong is still at work and not off to a vacation or or something like that. Just just being able to close the loop a lot faster uh, is really valuable because you have that sort of event knowledge of of what went wrong. And the sooner you can capture that and get the person who was there and the person who wrote the robot program uh, on the same phone call uh, and, and getting jointly working on the problem, the better. The Cobot manufacturers have done a very good job here of introducing this concept. Um, it's not just about having a robot that is being more you know, safe to be around, but just this whole idea of this hybrid where humans do some stuff and, and machines do other parts. And I think that concept really extends to exactly what we're talking about here. Um, so even though you're always going to have this adoption cycle with some early adopters and some medium adopters and then late late
0: adopters, I, I do think that the cobots paved the way for, for what we're talking about here. Yeah, definitely. No, such an exciting market to, to be looking at right now.
1: But it's also yeah. about making sure that our processes
0: can actually yeah. accept
1: inputs, right? It's not just about taking our data and broadcasting it wide, but it's also about being reacted to, to the things that we receive um, mm-hmm. and, and one simple way of doing this uh, could be to allow for remote control, actually, right? So let's say we, we don't have this factory utopia where the machines are crisscross talking, everyone is improving everyone. Um, it's kind of a network security and safety nightmare anyway. But instead, we add this layer of, of humans that, that have access to remote control. Where they now gain insight through the use of AI, and they say, "Hey, I can see I have a problem in my process here. I go in the remote control something downstream to, uh, to adapt to that new condition." Obviously, it would be better if every piece of material coming in, coming through your process uh, came embedded with all the possible metadata in the world, so you would know everything about it and where it's been and every. Little material that's been applied to it, but that's sort of the utopia. And, and I think it's hard to get there. And that's where we get back to something that would require transformative change rather than incremental change. And I think it would require standardization and everyone get together and not just agree, but also try to predict what future needs we might have of, of such a standard. And I'm basically arguing that we shouldn't have great getting in the way of good here. Um where People become this great adapter between between our different
0: processes that can really smooth that. Yes, now definitely. I think I think that's it. I think humans. I think the the tasks essentially that that robots will be essentially taking are are the, are the jobs that, that people didn't really want in the first place, or the the kind of the repetitive, simple tasks that can be quickly automated and changed, and and that person can come in and, and be upskilled to maybe. Operate or work in a, a different, more maybe technical role, and 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 see it from that perspective, really. But
1: I think the biggest uh, ones around, you know, robots replacing workers. I think those can be mitigated, precisely with the strategies we've talked about here.
0: For for anyone listening, why why do you think that's potentially the case? That you think kind of the the human and AI collaborative factory would be more successful than than the kind of an ai-led factory
1: yeah and and just to comment on that you know i don't think we're you know adding humans to the process here is not something we do to gain acceptance for our technology here i firmly believe that if you take a smart factory that is 100 percent automated by ai and a smart factory where you have ai and humans working together I believe the, the hybrid factory is gonna win you know, every day. Um, so I think it's not gonna be a matter of, of even policy making. It's just gonna make most economical sense to have that hybrid model. Because simply because of the state of AI today, um, you know, we have machine learning that can find statistical patterns in large amount of data. The world is complex. Um, robotics is complex. Uh, trying to simulate and, and predict the future in real worlds you know sounds um maybe straightforward when it comes to ai playing um, chess or, or go whatever it might be that those technologies simply do not tr- really translate uh, to the manufacturing floor um, we have not come up with a, a good way of predicting friction <laughs> for instance and and so so there's simply too much Uh, About the world around us that we do not understand. And that, and that, so that the problem then is now you have AI with very poor understanding of what's actually going on in the factory. Meanwhile, you have people that understand perfectly what's going on because they have so much experience. They've been able to, you know, go to school for 20 years and then be trained on the job for 10 years. Um, It's just going to be hard to beat that.
0: So it might be. Some time until we, we we get to that point, or maybe when that question could be maybe relevant. So this one a bit more relevant to you, your market, and your expertise. Um, what's the role of teleoperating and monitoring within the smart factory, in your opinion?
1: It's important to be able to remotely monitor and and control or or teleoperate um, your your factory for a couple of reasons. One is you know uptime. Um, When you buy machines and when you buy robots, it's important to, those are big investments, so it's important to keep them running. And and it can be expensive to have staffing, um, you know, staff people to sit around and watch the robot at all times and wait for a failure to happen. It's also kind of dull work. Um, So if you have surge demand and you want to run your machines 24-7, you need to hire up to do that. and in the current climate that can be really hard. Um, so yeah, really for people who want to run their, their manufacturing operation lights out, meaning with less, less or no people in the building, um, you know remote monitoring and control is an absolute, absolutely crucial technology for that. Another important part of of remote control is actually in the the rollout of of AI, because AI hasn't been, or machine learning hasn't been very successful in industrial automation or in in robotics even, Um, because it turns out that even if you train your algorithm to be 95% accurate or 99% accurate, if you spend a lot of money, uh, it turns out that that's not really enough Uh, If you're running something for 100 times, it means it's going to fail, you know, one to five times. And that is is just unacceptable. It doesn't scale because you still need to have a person essentially standing right next to it and and accommodating that failure. And this is where remote control can really come in. Because instead of the robot just stopping when that happens, what if it requested help? So now you can have one person uh, effectively monitoring multiple robots and whenever a failure comes up they can take control and get the robot back to work within minutes Um, and if you have a large factory it can take you know 20 minutes to walk across to to address something and and even then you still have to start with diagnostics first so i think that's that's another one where we're going to see a more aggressive
0: rollout because of
1: uh,
0: of ai because of remote control that's great. That's really that's really interesting as well. I think a key thing that I've been getting from from these conversations is is kind of time is, is being a really big selling point and a key factor with this. And I can definitely see that and, and the point you mentioned, kind of what's the point in it if you need to be stood next to the machine anyway, it does make a lot of sense. So moving on to, to the next question, Frederick. Um, in your opinion, what what's the next step towards a smart factory?
1: I think a lot of these efforts that we've seen of uh, interoperability uh, between devices. I think that's really important. I think that will increase the pace of innovation that we're seeing um, because it makes it easier for people like me uh, to build, you know, technology products on top of of the machines. You know, it's a little bit in the self interest here, but I believe that the next natural step is a lo- is around remote monitoring and control. Not just because I'm the one selling those products, but because of the, when you ha- integrate a product that really utilizes the expertise of humans, um, you kind of you get the help of, of human intelligence in the, in the integration, right? Versus when you roll something out that has no people in the loop, you need to solve every little problem. Um, so I think, I think humans is just gonna be absolutely crucial to allowing us to do an incremental rollouts of the smart technologies. So I think that's that's kind of what's going to happen, because people are going to do big research project with um, with these smart AI technologies, and they're going to run into these roadblocks, and where they're saying, "Hey, we're willing to do a big transformative change," and that's that's always hard. That's hard in any organization. Um, so once they have tried that, they're essentially going to fall back to. Uh, incremental approach that that i'm proposing
0: i think that's a it's a big factor as well and i think the cost is a is a whole the subject to to discuss but um yeah i think some people's initial thoughts are that it needs to be a massive huge investment at the start maybe it can be incremental like you mentioned and maybe a smaller investment to see how that responds and to see how that goes a down first within within the business and, and the operation is is a good way to start. Yeah, and and
1: and, and just on that, I, I think it's important to to note that you know the people that are resisting the big transformative change, they sometimes do it for good reason. They don't want to throw away all that know how and experience that is now built into their current process, and we should be leveraging that mm-hmm. because. That what happens when you throw all the old stuff out and you put the new, smart, shiny stuff in is that you lose some of that and you're going to ha- it's going to take a lot of time just getting back to where you were before um, in, in in terms of in terms of your process and 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 all the little details that were that were implemented
0: to make it flow so smooth um, obviously it would take some time to bed in and, and get the best out of it so moving on to to the final question how do you think this smart factory concepts will impact certain manufacturing role, roles moving forward
1: well obviously you know there will be new employment roles um, uh, especially if you talk about these remote operators um where they can serve more than one factory at once. Um, So I think you will see people who are experts in in one particular process will deepen that expertise and and be able to serve more locations with, with that expertise. So I think you will actually see manufacturing generalists become more higher paid specialists at least that's what i hope for and I, I think it does make sense that that would happen there's going to be some shifts um people who are right now sitting waiting for a robot to fail you know they're they're gonna to have to do something else um, but i think we've seen in countries that have adopted uh, robots to a large degree that people do go on and actually find higher value work and those are not new people those are the
0: same people that were there to begin with. That's, that's good. I suppose one thing could be saying that the next generation obviously is, is totally different and probably more susceptible and open to this change of, of a digital age. But it's important also to look at the people that have, that have been in the business a few years and that, that can still be upskilled and, and still gain something from this change that should be kind of accepted all around, it's not just looking for the the future, but also looking after the present.
1: I I think that's really a job for me, you know, as someone who builds technology products, to make sure that it's not just something that the new generation or whatever uh, wants to use, but something that the people with all that experience and know-how also see value in. Because I do believe that we're gonna end up with the smartest factories, if you will, if we combine all that experience with the latest technology in an easy to use way, um, that's going to be the best for
0: everyone. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think that their expertise and their knowledge and, and combining it with, with, with the modern technology will, 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 definitely do that. One Another buzzword that every time you might see smart factory, I think the next word that you might see underneath is efficiency as well. And, yeah, that whole point of of, of seeing, seeing the problem diagnosing it so the the engineer or whatever has that understanding that knowledge on, on how to kind of combat the problem instead of going back and forth and, and really cutting out the, the time and, and there's a cost obviously implication with that too so yeah I can really see the, the, the kind of the reason and the, the practicality of, of that it's been a really interesting conversation Frederick I hope you've enjoyed it and, and I hope the listeners have too uh, but thank you very much for your time um, and look forward to uh, catching up again soon thank you Alex talk soon So that was my c conversation with Frederick Ryden, CEO of Olus Robotics. I'd like to thank Frederick again for his time and the insight he provided on this fascinating topic. I hope anyone who's interested in any of the topics we discussed during the podcast could gain some insight from his role in the industry. If you'd like to hear more insight from industry leaders about the future of smart factories and the effects of wider automation in the industrial industry, then please subscribe to the podcast to be notified when other episodes are live. Thank you again for listening. I've been your host, Alex Corkwell. Bye for now.